I was going to title this for the parents, all the parents. But then I said, nah, it's for everybody. <laughs> because even though you do not have any children biologically, you still could be caring for someone. You could be working with children. It doesn't matter. You know, caring is caring for someone, you know. And I really, really realized that when you roll with God, you're going to cry. <laughs> I never cried so much in my life. You understand? Rolling with God, you're going to cry. <laughs> God, that's going to be the message. Not cry. You go with God, you're going to cry. <laughs> Not cry. Cry. <laughs> you're going to cry. <laughs> And God had me to realize what it is to be a parent. You know, what it is to be a parent. It's not even about the parents who are absent, the parents who are away, the parents who went home. A parent is a parent. If you are here, you have a mother and a father. It doesn't matter if you have two daddies by law, two mommies by law. You have a mother and a father. It doesn't matter if you were born due to a surrogate or any type of assimilation. It doesn't even matter. You have a mother and a father biologically. And when it comes to parenting, we learn every step of the way. Now, we may think that we got all that we need before it happened, and those just the basics, but it's so much more than that, just like marriage. It's so much more than just romance. It's so much more than just talking and praying, and you understand? There's a covenant. It's a commitment. If it's of God, it's a commitment. Cannot get up and walk away from anyone because I'd be getting up walking away from you because you're one. It's a covenant. We can never get up and walk away from God because he said he would never leave nor forsaken us. It's a covenant. We need to really meditate on what it is to have a covenant. My child and me as a parent, no matter if he go east, north, south, doesn't even matter, west, he's still my kid. It's a covenant. If he get adopted today, it's still my child, a covenant. No law can change the fact that I've given birth to that kid. It's a covenant. Even if a father disappear or walk away or whatever, he still has a kid. It's a covenant. And we walk around here angry. You didn't do what I expect you to do. You didn't take good care of me. You abandoned me. You did this. You did that. You wasn't there. I don't even know you. But it's still a covenant. God is our ultimate father who teaches us how to be parents. And before we can be a parent, we must first know what it's like to be married unto God, with God, due to a covenant. It will eliminate a lot of broken promises. 
Now I'm not talking about those that's not of God. That still should not have been made. But those who are of God. Breaking promises. And promises are not made to be broken. Promises are not made to be broken. Promises are not made to be broken. The worst thing we can ever do. Regarding the covenant. To walk away because we feel some type of way. Not even aware we're walking away from perseverance. We're walking away from endurance. We're walking away from purpose. We're walking away from identity. We're walking away from teamwork. We're walking away from two becoming one. We're walking away from the altar. Walking away from the vows. Walking away from synchronization. Walking away from commitment. Walking away from being persistent. Walking away from honesty. Walking away from love and modesty. Walking away from family. Everybody make mistakes. And some keep making the same mistakes. And the worst thing we can do is to put a person down while they already feel like they rock bottom. Pinpointing issues is not going to change anything. Trouble on trouble begets more trouble. Can I walk away from a kid? Can I choose another kid? That's your kid, a covenant. Can I choose another spouse? God giving you. You made a covenant. Even before you even entered here, God already had a covenant with your name, his name, her name, both names, a covenant. When they don't clean up a covenant, they don't want to work a covenant. They lie too much a covenant. Their children get on my nerves a covenant. I can't stand my mother-in-law covenant. They cheat covenant. They're dirty covenant. Don't bathe covenant. Don't spend covenant. Don't have to spend covenant. And we read the books and we buy the music and we watch the sermons of those who have a testimony of staying in the covenant. And they walked away at one point in time. Just like many of us have do have done and are doing now. You understand? The devil is after your covenant. Because he no longer have one. He's been after you before you got here. Same goes for me. But guess what? Because of our covenant with God, Satan always prevail not because we always win. For greater is he who's in us. When I had my son, I had a lot of money. A great job, 
Whatever I want to go, we go, we do, we do, we do. And that took a turn. Once I made a decision to make a false covenant. Now, it affected my covenant with my kid and my covenant with God. And things start falling apart immediately. Everything that I worked so hard for, it began to crumble down because the foundation was no longer solid. It was very shaky. Because it was not supposed to be, it got to come down. God would not build upon anything that is not solid. Christ said, upon this solid rock, I build my foundation. If it's not solid, it's not going to prosper. And one thing happened. Next thing happened. Things that was happening, I never, ever thought. But one thing that I always kept was a relationship with my kid. No matter how many times I went in the bathroom and I broke down and said, God, what am I doing? What am I doing? This kid look up to me. What am I doing? And even if us as parents try to do things with our children not watching, I would drink and smoke my cigarettes while he'd gone to bed. I would never let him see me. But that don't mean that he don't know I'm doing it. Just polite enough and was raised enough to know not to say anything because that's not an adult and a child conversation to have. But he knew because they asked him, what is your favorite drink at home? And he knew how to answer. They didn't ask what's your mother's favorite drink. They asked, what is yours? And he gave them mine due to what he saw because he wanted them to know I'm smarter than what you guys think I am. Just because I'm a kid, I know. I know when I see that can, that's an adult drink and it's called beer. I know when I see that bottle, I know that's liquor. And I can read, I know the name of it. It says tequila, it says 1800, it says Jose Cuevo. Whenever I see that big orange juice or lime juice, I know there's liquor coming. But I'm just not going to say anything because I would get in trouble because my mom raised me that way. Stay in a child's place. But this child knows what's going on. This child spent time with God. This child going to give between right or wrong. And this is wrong. But my mom, I love. And I honor her and I love her no matter what. And it's called unconditional love. And he went to school and they asked, what's your favorite drink, David? Well, my mom's favorite drink is 1800. Sometimes she get Amsterdam and she mix it with beer. In a morning circle with all the kids and the teachers. And you can imagine what their response was like, oh boy, okay. Uh, all right, next child question. <laughs> you understand? And they told me, uh, Ms. Hood, your son, uh, And I realized, I got to get it together. Did I get a phone call at work? Miss Hood, yes. We don't know how to handle this situation. We don't know how to handle this situation. What's wrong? My son is okay? Yeah, he's fine. What is the problem? He's on a playground. He has a stick in his hand. He opened up the gate. 
And he pointed a stick at us and warned us, let his people go. And the children are following him. And I was like, oh God, I was just reading the story of Moses. Oh God. They was like, we don't know how to handle this. We don't know where to put him in time out, you know, because, you know, we don't know what to do with this. He has a stick warning us not to come near. Because he said, let his people go. And the kids behind him, they ready to escape the playground. We can't have that here. You understand? Our children are all uniquely and wonderfully made. But we have children that are so special out of the population that we sometimes don't know how to even comprehend their way of comprehending. And we call them special. But sometimes we call them special in the sense that something is wrong. You ain't got it all the way up there. No, the thing is, we don't understand how you comprehend up there. So it takes, just like Albert Einstein, he was in special education, and yet he's the most brilliant man that was ever known so far. Because the way how he think, and the way how he thought, and he, you know how he thought at the time, he was thinking ways that no one has ever thought. He was thinking about gravity. How can I connect this unto gravity to form something regarding neutrons and electrons. Begin to think about electricity and all kinds of things. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just about a mathematical problem. No, it was problem solving. And that's where his brilliance came from, problem solving. And people try to label children who they cannot, you know, comprehend how they comprehend. And they label with a dysfunction, but trying to put a great word to make you not feel less. You're special when everybody is special. So why are you singling me out? Why am I in the class in the sense of a, a you know, a deformity? You understand? Everybody has a different way of comprehending. And some kids are so special, handpicked, and we all are, but just have a uniqueness that we have not gravitated to in a way to comprehend it. If they did not study Albert Einstein's brain, they would not have known how he comprehends. while he was still here and never really smiled but very very uniquely made and to this day still being talked about and they never considered since that day they discovered his brilliance anybody else to be on the same level or above his level mentally psychologically you understand So if you have a child as a parent and that child seems like they just keep getting on your nerves 
and not being disrespectful in the sense of cussing you out without manners because you know your foot will be in their tail. No, not that. If your child just get on your nerves for little small things that seem to be like, you know, why can't you just be normal? Why do you have to act like that? Why do you have to embarrass me? No, the thing is, that's the devil trying to have you to disregard the uniqueness. He's trying to have us to push away from our kids. I'm not taking you anywhere because you embarrass me. Go get on your phone. Go get on your tablet. Go watch TV. Go call your friends. Go to the mall. Get away from me. And the thing is, the devil trying to rob us of teaching them in the way they should go. Because only us as parents can teach them. God said, we are parents to teach our children in the way. Not the aunts, not the uncles. They can do their best. But that child out of your womb and from that man, it's only grace to teach that child in the way they should go. That's why most kids are searching and seeking for their dad. Because many dads are not there. Many moms too. But majority of the population are dads. Because of their dad and their dad. But majority of the dads, they're cool, they're fun, but it's not what the mother want. You just fun. We need money. Or you just have things. We need time. Spend time. Forget the gifts. Or some say, forget the time, bring gifts. And instead, we have to build these men up. The devil is trying to tear down. Why do you think majority of them now want other men? I had some men even say, just confessing. I can't take a woman's mouth. I want up in jail. I want up strangling her to death. Talk too much. Don't respect. Yell. Not appreciative over nothing. Many of them go outside the race. I want somebody that's going to do whatever I say. Because some women just talk too darn much. Don't know when to shut up. Nag too much. Complain too much. Talk about me too much. Belittle me too much. You think I don't know I'm not really doing nothing? Think I don't know that I don't really have nothing? Women too? Think I don't know I'm not being a good mom right now? You don't think I'm putting drugs before my kids? You don't think I know I have an alcohol problem? You don't think I know I have an abuse problem with my child? I don't need you to tell me what I already know. Let's make matters worse, not better. You ever had a parent and you saw a parent that's absent and come around whenever they want and that child lights up? Don't see nothing wrong. You want to go see your dad? Sure. And you're like, shit, leave a call. But that's not what the child looking at. It's a covenant. You are a part of me. I want to get to know who's a part of me. And I'm worth knowing who's a part of me. This man belongs to me. That man belongs to him. That's his dad. This dad belongs to me. Well, I want to get to know what belongs to me. This mom belongs to me. I want to get to know. So many false DNA tests. What I mean by that, people saying, oh, you the father. And they know deep down inside, it's a chance that you're not the father. 
And cases come out every day. And we all know about the Moy show. But I'm so past that. I'm talking about right, in, right here. Not in Connecticut. I'm talking about, you know, right here. Just in this portion. This part of town. You understand? Right where you are. Your part of town. And many of us women know it too. There's a chance. But I ain't, I'm not going to give up, you know. Mess up my child future. They, 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 you know, in their life. And some cases come out due to DNA. We need some blood for the kid. Oh, you're not a match. Need a kidney. Oh, you're not a match. You grow up, you don't look nothing like me. Oh, you're not a match. Don't forget your covenant. As a parent, I realize my child is very uniquely made, just like we are as parents. But it gets greater as time goes by. As a generation lives on, it gets greater. I'll never forget. I beat my son. Well, I can say it's not beat. I spanked my son <laughs> one time. And he walked off. I'm like, where is he going? He went to go get my foot tub, put water in it, the scrubs, you know, pebbles in it, crystals in it, put a towel on the floor. And he said to me, I'm going to, you know, wash and soak your feet, mom. I said, hold on, give me one second. I went in a room and I broke down. And the last time I beat him, respect him. <laughs> I, was, I, I mean, I never really had to. But one time I just lost it and I spanked him. And right in the midst of me spanking him, he said, wait a second, please, please. I'm like, okay. I mean, he got very like, like wait a second, please, please. And I'm like, yeah. He looked up at God in the kingdom. He looked up at heaven. He looked up. <laughs> he had his hands up. Closed his eyes. It was like, like he received from that reality. Because the reality that he was in, it wasn't from the kingdom. And I couldn't even continue on with that spanking. And I was like, I'm done with that. Anytime you stop me in the midst of a spanking, wait a second, please. And lift your head up in your hands and tune into the kingdom like that. He was receiving a fresh revelation of an encounter of what's happening in the kingdom. Because this atmosphere, excuse me, not this, but that atmosphere was not the one that he was looking for. God had me to, you know, come home from work, you know, when I was working very sooner than I usually do. And it was during the time my son was on his way home from school. And I was very near so he could walk to school at home. Very, very near. Like around the corner near. And God had me to not say anything, just watch him. And what I saw him doing unto people, just how the way he was greeting everybody, he don't even know. 
And people would respond and beep in the horns and stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you. His father, my mother, nobody but me and God and those doctors know everything that he'd been through in that hospital after he was born. Because I was in a car accident when I was pregnant. And I was in labor for five days. And I would never leave really the hospital, even though I had injuries wrong too. But when I was in labor with him, he couldn't, he didn't want to stay any longer. It was too much trauma. And I had five broken ribs right on my left side, right beside my spleen. And my spleen was bruised because of the broken ribs. And there's no way to, you know, bandage ribs. They're inside. <laughs> they got to heal on their own. You can't just, you can't move around too much. And they were actually broken in half. So if I move too much, it can pierce through my skin or puncture another organ. So I had to really be still. And I'm pregnant. And this boy moving around inside of me. And I'm like, oh, God, I felt the bones moving as he was moving. And I was like, just sit still, little boy. And they kept trying to get me to push when it was time. I went from two centimeters to, you know, just eight like that in 10 seconds. And they were trying to get me to push, but my ribs, I couldn't. So I had to get a C-section. Valentine's Day, 2007. Eight, 10 in the morning. And one thing happened after another. You know, his dad had to make sure everything was taken care of at home. You know, go back and forth to work and things like that and bring things up there. You know, his family was going back and forth between working and coming up there. My family going back and forth. But me as a mother, I never left. So every time, you know, I was there, it was something going on. We were on a third blood transfusion. Oh, God. His heart rate went to zero like four times. Oh, God. They had to keep reviving him. An infant straight out the womb. And you're like, man, we don't have the equipment that small for this baby. He's not fully grown. And to tell him I was hit by a drunk driver. That's why he's here. Oh my God. Oh God. It caused him to want to work even harder. And then they would rush him, you know, in a helicopter to another facility. It was always something that I had to go home. It was like, ma'am, you have to go home, get yourself together, just bathe and change your clothes and come back. Just please. You know, you got to take care of yourself too to be here for this boy. Okay. I go home as soon as I close my eyes. Ring, ring. Yeah, he just been rushed to another hospital in the helicopter. Oh my God. On my way back up there. And every time the family would come, his father would come. How's everything going? All is well. There will always be my answer. All is well. I didn't say nothing about the blood transfusions, about the heart rate jump, jumping, because it wasn't no point even mentioning, because all is well. So they don't even have no idea as to everything that boy had been through. Then I had to sit there and witness. He done had over six surgeries. They cut off, you know, over new, more than that. They was like, this boy is going through it. It's a miracle he's still here. This baby is going through it. He's a fighter. And I'm begging God, don't take him. The heart rate went to zero. God! 
Then the machine go back up and down again. They go pause. Don't do it. It's like, God, don't do it. The cigarette habit came back. I'm like, when I go upstairs, I mean, it was just that bad. I would create a flask in my purse. I, I got to get a drink. I got to smoke. This is too much for me. Pacing back and forth. Some rooms I couldn't even go in. That he was in. Because of the germs. Can't have no type of germs. No dust or nothing. Or anything could go down. I'm like, oh God. I can't, I can't be in this place. I can't, I can't, I can't do this one. I can't do this one. Can't do it. Can't do it. You understand? They were saying to me all kinds of things. You know, your son, he's... There's going to be a lot of things going on wrong as he grow up because of all this he's going through. And all I kept saying is all is well. And because of my faith, they began to use their faith. And they were giving me their best. And after he'd been there for like a month or two, he had to go to a therapy facility. You know, by Brooklyn Catholic, you know, Brooklyn Catholic, you know, University. It was like a home hospital for children with therapy that got to be there a little longer. He was there for like three months. And every day I would come with my baby back, expecting to take my baby home. But they were like, he's not going until he's ready. And we're not going to rush him, ma'am, because we have the equipment here for him. You don't have all of that at home. You can be here, but it's visiting hours here. It's not the hospital. We have visiting hours. After nine, you got to go. And watching those midwives and nurses walk off with my baby. And I look at him and he look at me when I'm holding him. I'm like, I'm so sorry you had to go through all of this. And the man who hit us ran into us. I written him a letter while he was in prison and showed him a picture of me and my son because he wanted to kill himself. And I said, I'm not angry at you. I didn't tell him about anything about my child's conditions or any of that surgeries or nothing or even my injuries. I just said that all is well. Here's a picture of me and my son. We're fine. And I wasn't able to make the, the trial. But if I was, I would have sat on his side. Because I forgive you. I'm not angry at you. Here I was that night, you know, going through so much trauma. I had to be cut out the car. It's so much went on. I could feel that I was, you know, escaping death. I'll never forget. I don't know what kind of angel was it, an archangel? I don't know, angel of throne, angel of virtue. I don't know. But I felt myself dying as soon as I got hit. And God had me to look up in the sky. And I saw a portal of light. 
And that angel flew down so fast and landed on the ground. And when he landed on the ground, the whole earth shook. And no one felt that shake. But I saw it. I didn't feel it. I saw the shaking of the earth. And from that moment, I was like snapped out of me dying. I was able to talk about everything. I was like, I went from saying, I'm okay. Going in and out to, yeah, I'm right here. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'm not able to move. My brother back here, his girlfriend back here, my mom right here, my cousin behind me. They're like, hold on, what just happened to her? She, what, what happened? <laughs> she's talking and she's giving us instructions. Like, hold up. <laughs> I never told anybody that. God had me to keep my child near me a lot because he had to show me how to raise him. Without any lack of faith present. Just like Christ told the people. Get out the room. Because that, the, that level of panic and fear. No faith. Is not pleasant. Is not you know. To have in the atmosphere. When miracles are present. And that's why I didn't tell his dad. Or my mom or anybody. During that time. I was not going to make room for no tears, no lack of faith, no anger. Do all what you're going to do. Da -da -da -da. No. No yelling. No. And I never said anything to any of them. How's he doing? We're on our way back there now. All is well. Have no idea. That boy just went through like three transfusions and one of them he rejected. And when he rejected one transfusion, they had to flush that blood out and put new blood. I was like, oh my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We got to go inside of his bone again. Oh, no. He's an infant. He's newborn. God. When that day they called me, they said, your son is ready to come home. I grabbed my son and I took my baby and I drove home. It been me and my son, only us, you know, in a home since he was turning two to 10 years old, 11. And every day we always done things together. I'm not the mother that's going to be soft on him. And, you know, he being raised by a woman, he's not going to be feminine. So I had to do both. You know, he have a father, but I'm talking about in the home with me. You do what you do with your dad, but with me, you know, I'm going to rough you up a little bit. <laughs> Play a little rough. Then he start getting too rough with other kids. Okay, I got to calm it down. <laughs> we did everything together. And then I made a false covenant when he was, you know, going on 12. So all he know is me and him. He had no recognition of his father with me. He was too young that we split. And so there goes this man in our lives. And nothing bad to say about anybody. It's just a false covenant. And our kids can pick it up if it's a false covenant. And things start happening to me and my kid. 
things started, you know, vanishing away. And we moved from where we've been for his whole life. Two hours away, not too far, but still, we're not used to being where we were. No matter anything, I always made sure I took great care of my kid. It been times that I would give him all the food and I would just not, go ahead. I don't care. He'd be so stuffed and I'd be so hungry. And I just visualized food going to bed. My favorites. And that would put me to sleep. Did I realize he's getting big? I'm getting small. We got to share this thing. <laughs> and we spent a lot of time in the car. I didn't want to, you know, with me, when I get into arguments and things like that, you know, I would just, me and my son, I would just go for a drive and I didn't want to stay, you know, I was walking away from a false covenant. Things were happening inside the marriage and I was like, I don't want my, me and my child involved with all of that. I'll pay for hotels until I give me another place because I left my place to go start a new life somewhere I never even been. Away from family and everything. and You know, family not going to always say how they really feel. They just, you know, they don't want to pry or because sometimes we'd be so defensive and they don't, we don't want to tear up no relationships. You understand, especially tear down anything. So people will keep quiet if they don't have nothing. They feel so it's nice to say. But you can see they're not okay with it. And I'll never forget his best friend, you know, I'll never forget he, we were in the car because I didn't go to that place where we were staying at. You know, we had a home. I, I left the house and everything. I don't want to be out there. Because too much was going on out there. It was a situation where, you know, so many things was happening, you know, violently. And I took me and my child away from that. And it was so cold one night. I just got so tired. I dozed off. And he went to school and he told his best friend, I'd be so cold at night. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she told me. I used to make sure I be at that parking spot. No matter what time I get off work, I'm going to be at that parking spot waiting for your bus to drop you off with the rest of the children, the parents being in line waiting for the kids to get dropped off. If anybody be there, I'm making sure I'm there for mine. And I'm out there like an hour and a half early waiting for my kid. I want you to see, I'm here for you. You don't ever have to wait for me to show up. I'm here for you, kid. You understand? When we try to hide things from our kids, they, that's when they pick it up the most. I went somewhere and I cried. My son was like, what are you crying for? Why are you crying, mommy? Did you say God has us? If it's not within us or with us right now it's because he don't want it to be right now is that what you said I'm only saying what you said you told me follow your own advice you give me mommy or he'd be like mom I made something for you today oh god 
Oh, God. And I'm telling you guys. People always say, you are such a great mother. It's not about what you do or do not have materialistically. It's about your effort and your energy, your time with your kid. It's the time, the laughter, doing things together, projects. That's what they remember. Not just go over there. You're getting on my nerves. Oh, Father, I lift that up. That no parents say that anymore. Why are you always making things so rough and so hard for me? I lift that up that no person say that anymore. And his best friend told me that day, he said he'd be cold at night. And I came and told you. Good thing he didn't tell nobody else. He was confiding in me. So I was like, why did you say that? They could have took you away from me. Don't you ever say that. You know, I give you whatever you need. Don't ever say it again. I'm sorry, I didn't know, Mom. No, don't say that. They're going to take you from me. I don't want them to take you from me. Oh, God. I'm so serious, guys. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Always been a stand-up kid. <sighs> because God used me to raise him that way. And regarding his abilities, you know, he just had, you know, it just took more time to really work with him regarding comprehending well due to all those surgeries and them having to revive an infant more than three or four times you know his heart rate went to zero they had to revive him back like three or four times so if you're an infant and they're reviving you your brain shuts down and it reprograms itself so if you're a newborn your organs is not really strong to begin with so it's going to be some things you're going to have to work on very hard to even build up that muscle again. And it required patience. And regarding short-term and long-term memory, as a kid, I was like, oh, come on. Oh, God. What season is this? January. Oh, my God. I said season, not month of the year. Oh, God. I was like, Father, please, I cannot do this one. Father, please. God, I was like, Father, and I mean, like, just going over it, count with your fingers when we come to counting. I had to really, really work with them. They were telling me, you got to really work with your kid. And we just prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and I realized all that yelling, get the bell, just get the bell, all of that. That's not helping. 
that's hurting. I had to realize, hold up. God spared my kid for me. He had me to keep my kid here. He could have took him home. Let me show my appreciation. Repeat after me, child. Say, I can do all things. I can do all things. Do Christ. Do Christ. Oh, strength is me. Strength is me. Take these scriptures. Here, put them in your pocket. Yeah, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. It was so frustrating. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. I don't know who this helping, but you know what? It's helping me. It's helping me. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because it showed me how beautiful of a mother I am. Due to me having a covenant with my kid, by having a covenant with God. And I would just rip scriptures and put them in his pocket. You know, when he take lunch to school, I just put him in his school, you know, little quotes and pictures. I love you, messages. And some people just don't have the patience with kids or with people, period. And I was like, oh, no. It's just some incidents where, you know, I had to remind. You're not going to just, you know, let my child do what they want to do because you don't want to work with them. Why is he, on, you know, looking at videos what are you supposed to be learning? Because you don't feel like teaching him? Oh, you're not going to just pass him by and give him a good grade. Oh, no, you're not going to do that one with this one. <laughs> or any other kid. But it was very frustrating. When is your birthday? Uh, Wednesday? Oh, no. <laughs> when, when, what year were you born? Uh, pizza? No. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I'm serious. It was like that for a very long time. And we work with them. And we work with them. And we work with them. And we work with him. And it wasn't about he didn't know anything. It's just that when they revived them more than once, his short-term and his long-term memory was affected. He would lose the memory of what he was taught. And today is so much better than it was before. But there are some things that I still remind. Because you know how when we learn things when we were in elementary, we still remember. Some things, he's like, that was so long ago, I don't remember that. <laughs> no, you need to remember that. <laughs> don't ever forget that. That's a basic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and thank God it's so much better. It gets so much better with time. He said, I'm one of the world's smartest males that will ever live. You darn right you are. You darn right you are. He said, some kids had called me a nerd. You know, that's a bad word. We don't use the N-word. He said, no, he said, he came home and said, I was called the N-word today. I said, guess what, son? You are not a nigger. He said, no. What is that? <laughs> what N-word are you talking about? He said, I was called a nerd because I, I care about getting good grades and I raise my hand all the time. I try, I do my best. I sit in the front of the class. 
Even if I don't know all the answers, I have confidence, mom. Mm. Because you're more than a what? A conqueror, mom. Mm. You the head and what? Not the tail, mom. Mm. You above and what? Never beneath, mom. Mm. <laughs> you understand? That's why every school he goes to, there's somebody from my spiritual home who works there because of a covenant. Oh, I work at David's school. Oh, I got him. I got him. Thank you. If his dad heard all that he done been through in that hospital, during the times he had to work and go back and forth, my mom or anybody, they'd be like, what? Oh, my God. I wasn't going to make room for no tears and no lack of faith or no anger. Because that was shown when I got hit by a car. When I was being rushed in the hospital, that's all you heard was anger, no faith, bitterness. Cussing out the man, cussing out the nurses. For what? You're not going to cuss no nurse out and then go home and they put something in my IV? <laughs> Keep putting me to sleep. You better shut your mouth. <laughs> God. But um, I just thank God that me and my son is at the rewarding part of our lives. You understand. It was only that way because I made a false covenant. I was robbing myself and my kid from our blessings because he benefited from me as a parent. You understand? So I had to make better decisions. And we're reaping right now more than ever before. And thank God for restoration that nothing is never lost. It been times my son was like, where we going today, mom? I don't even know, son. We do, we gonna do something. It was like we lived at the zoo. We stayed at the zoo because it was free <laughs> and it was educational. We stayed in the museums. We got so many pictures there. He knows so much about it. Good. <laughs> you learned. <laughs> you understand. And I paid for so many places too. But the thing is, I always had money before I made that false covenant. Things started going. The resources started going. Because God was bringing me down to bring me back up again. It had to crumble down. You understand? And the moment that I, you know, disconnected my soul from that other soul, my God, everything stopped coming. Stop coming. Stop coming. Stop coming back. It's frustrating to always, you know, see what you have. And then all of a sudden you see that you don't anymore. Hold on, what happened? Hold up. <laughs> you understand? I'm going into my child's account. What in the world? <laughs> it was very bad. I had to close an account I had with this bank for over 10 years. I was overdrafting too much. And I overdraft so long that they just closed the account. I'm like, oh God. I've been with y'all for like 10 years. Y'all tripping off of $300. Oh, and you know it builds up interest the longer it takes to be in there for a certain amount of time. But when they close it, that's it. You understand? I thank God I made mens with them. Hallelujah. 
I just thank God for being a mother. I thank God for that. Me and my son, we know what it's like to have and know what it's like to believe God to have. Yeah, you understand? To remember that we do have. How about that? To remember that we do have. And I love how God set a reminder through my son to me back when he was younger. Hallelujah. I am so grateful indeed to be that boy's mother and for him to be my son. I am so honored about that. If at times I just grab him and just hug him and cry, I love you so much. I love you too, Mom. He was a, he's a teenager that he don't mind me coming to a school or kissing him on his cheek. Yeah, kiss me on my cheek. Be my mom. I love my mom. Come to my school whenever you want. Then I realized he stopped doing that lately. Why not? Because some kids thought I was his girlfriend, and he did not like that. He did not like that. Or they say, or the ones who knew, oh, that's your mom? Wow, your mom is beautiful, dude. Your mom is hot. Don't say that about my mom. I had to tell him, don't get angry. Just see them saying, you know, you, you, your mom is, you know, beautiful inside out. Aren't I, son? <laughs> you understand? I had to shift the atmosphere for him not to feel that way. But he's still, you know, you want me to come to your school today? Oh, it's okay, mom. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. Maybe next time. Okay. Don't think for a second that an absent parent is not thinking about their kid. I don't care whether they're there or not. Oh, it's no way you can escape, you know, that knowledge. You know you have a kid out here. And you're going to be reminded every time you're breathing that you have a child. Come across kids every day, families every day. There's no way you can escape that reality. For no mother or no father. I love to be a part of that. I just have a big function somewhere. People come from all over the world who want to, you know, connect back with their kids. And just talk to, the, you know, to us as adults now, for many of us, about letting it go and forgive. And just seeing the connection of a, of a father and son hugging each other for the first time. And the son is like in his 30s, got his wife and his kids. You know, all kinds of fun situations. And be a teenager. Hugging his father, hugging his mother who left. Not just father's mother. You understand? Those who've been in a foster home, they come back and, you know, visit and they see their siblings and visit them. They've been split up, you know. I love that. I don't think nobody should go to the kingdom and have to, you know, find out, you know, your real bloodline because you didn't know here. Or see your father in the kingdom and live like that and didn't do that here. I want to live and I'm going to live and I'm expecting the unexpected regarding God using me and using you that we all encounter on earth as it is in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I thank God for my kid. 
And I'm going to tell you guys before I leave, one of the worst things I could have ever done is I got so drunk one time and they told me to give my son a sex talk about the birds. They didn't say birds and the bees. They said, just talk to your son about sex because he's getting older, you know, puberty. I was like, that's what his father going to do. Well, okay, well, he lives with you, right? Yeah, we'll talk to him about, you know. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to need a drink for this one. I gave him a, a whole everything in one sentence to the point he felt so uncomfortable. He done, he done folded his legs up. He done looked at me, was like, I would never feel the same again. I would never look at you the same again, mother. I could tell he felt very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Because I wasn't even, I was drunk. I wasn't sugarcoating nothing. I just was speaking for what it was. Every name, I was so blunt. I was beyond transparent with this kid. He was only what he loved. God, 12. They had a class they had to do a project on talking about, you know, sexual things. And I'm like, why y'all got, why y'all got to go home with this project? Why y'all can't do it in school? <laughs> I want to do this. But I had to, you know, participate with the other parents. I can imagine how they felt when they got more than one kid. So I said, let me get a drink. I got, you know, had a couple of drinks. I sat down with my kid. And I said, you see this, son? Look at this picture. This is called this. This is called, like, oh, my God. He'll never forget that conversation. <laughs> Neither would I. And I got up and just walked off. And he was still sitting there like. The next day came, he was still sitting there like. <laughs> the following year came, he was still sitting there like. I was like. <laughs> So us as parents, we live and we learn. You understand? I thank God that my son follows directions. I wish the world he would leave a toilet seat up. Oh, uh huh. You're going to be getting flushed down that toilet. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I just thank God that, you know, me as a woman do my thing and he do his thing as a, you know, a male. And I thank God it never clashes because I raise him that way. Clean up after yourself, so will I. And we get along very well. We get along so well. Hallelujah. So it's nothing like being a parent. But when it comes to covenants of God, we can never deny or walk away from a covenant. Your heart won't let you forget. Your heart won't let you. My heart won't let us walk away. We might be angry, but if they ask and beg for forgiveness, are we going to let them right back in? Because we love the covenant. But I don't know who you are regarding marriage. God said, don't you walk away like that. Everybody is worth an explanation. Don't walk off like that. Because you're walking away from yourself. If it's falling, because you're allowing it to fall. Can't put it on one person. Because you two became one. So what that person is doing, so are you. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I love you.